Praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here on a beautiful Friday morning in the piney woods of Northeast Texas. We're at Crossway Church in the studio here, and I'm just thankful to be gathered around God's Word again today with you, wherever you are, and I'm just so grateful to have my life, to find my life and your life being spent on Jesus Christ. He spent his life on us. What better do we have to spend our lives on but him? Praise be to the Lamb of God. We will begin an entirely new uh, uh, section today. It's 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, and uh, we'll begin in verse 1 here in just a moment. But again, it's 2 Peter chapter 1. We just left the five chapters of 1 Peter, and now we'll into the three chapters of the second letter that Peter wrote, and we're going to see some phenomenal truths that are very critical for you to know and understand. And these truths that you will hear in these Bible studies will prevent you from, from uh, going off and, and, and falling prey to uh, seducing spirits or things that sound right but are not really right. And things we've heard all our lives from pulpits, uh, not being mean this morning, but from pulpits through not necessarily false shepherds, but ignorant shepherds. And as my son Andrew said a couple years ago in one of the determined meetings, an ignorant shepherd is as dangerous as a false shepherd because he does not know what the sheep need. He's ignorant of this way of the cross as it pertains to living for God step by step along this journey. And so uh, grab your Bibles and today... On this 28th day of July in 2023, we'll dig in to 2nd. Second Peter chapter 1. Let me remind us, though, that determined camp meeting is just a couple of months away. And uh, really, it's a little more than that. Not much, though. It's in October the 5th through the 8th there in Palestine, Texas at Christ Community Church. Pastors Clint and Lindsey Bass are hosting the great determined camp meeting uh, this year. They hosted last year. And this is... The 10th year, the Lord knew what he was doing as he began this, this move of God some 10 years ago uh, pertaining to being determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified. He knew the things that would take place and the Lord will always find someone somewhere who will minister the truth of the gospel and will refuse to allow leaven to come in. Will refuse the place uh, for men's feet to stand in their pulpits that do not know this great truth. Who can only bring, uh, uh, you know, a double-mindedness and confusion. And and really, really, uh, Robin, my wife and I were talking yesterday about when we first moved to this region. In the Atlanta, Texas region back in 1997, it was really the second time we, or 95, it was the second time we moved here. And when we got here, there, there was something called a ministerial alliance. And these men would meet uh, a particular Thursday morning uh, once a month in a restaurant. And I was 
involved in that for a short season until it all fell apart, as it could only do. Uh, but there was a season there for some while that those men, it was Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, anything and everything that was over here was getting together. Uh, but see, when the truth of the cross, and it's really, it's really not even the truth of the cross that came in and caused all that to fall apart, it was some of the certain denominations that I won't call uh, wanted everybody to fall prey to them, but then, you know, they wouldn't give any, any way to anybody else. Anyway, that never works because it's not true unity. You're not going to be able to get together with the Presbyterians and the Catholics and the Baptist and the Methodist and the UPC and the, all the other things that are out there. We, you can't get together with all them because you're not in agreement with all them scripturally. You are, we're all not looking at the same thing. We're all not of the same spirit. We're all not speaking the same thing. And, it, and so when, when folks try to get together like that, it, 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 it's, it's really only an, an outward fleshly thing. And it'll never last, it'll never grow because there's only one faith and one object of faith. And if that's not the faith we're all believing, holding on to, preaching and teaching, then we're not all of the same spirit. We're not all speaking the same thing. So, you know, we, we, need, to, we need to remember these things. We, we came over here and, and uh, we, we began to see all these things take place and uh, it, it was just, it was just, you know, something that preachers believe can happen, but they can't. And we'll see this as we uh, dig into these scriptures today, uh, and and we'll see some things uh, very critical about the subject of faith in this first verse this morning. Uh, faith. Uh, we know and we all agree that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But it's much more than that that we need to know. And the things you'll hear this morning that we have not known is what has allowed us to have this fake sense of unity. And because we, again, we are all not walking in agreement and you can't, the Bible says, you cannot walk together lest you be in agreement. And, and again, the Bible is very clear that we're to be of the same spirit, we're to be of the same mind, we're to be speaking the same thing. That doesn't mean every verse, every day, but it does mean we're, we're to be speaking the same thing and we're all to be found striving together for the faith of the gospel. And if when we're together, if that's not what we're striving for, then we're not in unity. And those things we just listed that are scriptural, they, they're not going to take place. And what you'll hear this morning in this first session of 2 Peter chapter 1 concerning faith is going to change your life if 
you have a heart that desires truth. If you are willing to accept that which is true, that will alter your life, that will change you and have a great effect even on your relationship with Jesus and your fellowship with him. If you're not willing to change when the Lord shows you truth, the scriptures say that you don't fear the Lord. You don't fear the Lord. In Psalms 55, it's either verse 19 or 21 that David says concerning the enemy, and I'm not saying Christians are the enemy, but the principle remains the same. He said concerning the enemy, because they will not change, they do not fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is tied to a heart that's willing to be changed by faith in the Word of God as they grow in their knowledge of the truth. You understand that? When the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who is the Spirit of grace, was sent to us, the promise was that He will guide us into all truth. And many times we reach a place in our learning that he begins to show us things that cause us to have to get real honest about what we thought was right before, but it was not. And see, the great message of the cross, the preaching of the cross, the word of the cross, the scriptures in that light, and we'll see today why they must all be in that light, will will be the, that path of revelation that allows you to grow and to be changed and to actually be found allowing the Holy Spirit to change your mind. Not about what truth is, who truth is, but sometimes about how truth, how He works in our lives. Because the honest man, when he's learning truth, He's going to have to turn around sometimes and say, you know what? I was calling that God, but that wasn't God. It's like certain individuals that claim water baptism is required for salvation. If you never come in the scriptures to the knowledge that that's a lie, then my friend, you're not growing in truth. You're hung up under law, under works, and the Bible says that God can only establish our hearts with grace, and He can't do that. The Bible says that He establishes our hearts with grace, and He can't do that if I'm still trying to think I'm getting saved by what I do. By what anything I do can't save me. Anything I do cannot sanctify me. Anything I do cannot deliver me. It is wholehearted faith in the finished, complete, and perfect work of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That means what He did in His death on the tree for all the aspects of my salvation to be allowed, first of all, for God to be found in me, working in me that which He, he wants me to... What's the Bible say there? It's God working in me both to will and to do of His good... ...out that... of that work He's working in... And I heard it at the camp meeting this year, at the Determined Youth Camp meeting. And get this, this is the truths that your kids would hear if they were at Determined Youth Camp. That there's only one work God is working 
in his people. And that is the finished work of Christ. And when we work out from that work by faith in what he's working in us, the finished, perfect, and complete work of Christ, when we work out of that foundation, then the works become a multitude of works. Even Jesus said, uh, if you believe upon me, you'll do the works I've done. Even more will you do. But but God is only working in that one work, that finished work, and you need to understand that. If, if, if you can't ever come back to the simplicity of Christ and Him crucified and begin to allow the Lord to teach you the Scriptures in that light, because the light of Christ's righteousness is the only light that lights up the Word of God. Think about it. We are blind and cannot see until we believe with the heart unto the righteousness of God, which is the work of Christ, the righteous Son of God, on the tree of Calvary. When we believe with the heart unto that righteousness, we step into the light that He is walking in. In Psalms 37 and 6, says that He has made our righteousness as the light. So all of God's words, which Proverbs chapter 8 verse 8 says, are in righteousness, they have to be because God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, but not outside of the righteous context, which is Christ, the righteous Son of God, and what he did as the Lamb of God in taking our sins and offering us his righteousness. Not just for our initial place of being righteous in him, but for any and all fruit of righteousness must come out of our heart that continues to believe unto his righteousness. See, we've used scriptures like Romans 10 and 10 for just the initial born-again experience, and we can relate it to that, but it is for far more than that. When the heart believes unto righteousness, the mouth speaks unto that salvation. This is why most preachers today are not saying the right thing because their hearts are not believing unto righteousness God's words are all in righteousness, but His righteousness is only revealed in the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17. You say these things are, are very simple. They are, and they are a requirement. They're a requirement for faith to come. Let me say that again. They are a requirement for faith to come. Faith does come by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10 and 17 declares that to us. But that's far more than these ears hearing the Bible read or, or, or seeing it with our eyes or reading it out loud. The, the, the faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. That means when we hear it with our heart and we believe, we, we have to mix faith with the Word. And that can only done as our hearts are believing unto the righteousness of faith. Get that now. Get that now. Our hearts have to continually be believing 
by the righteous, through the righteousness of faith. The Bible teaches that this faith we've been given, and we'll look into it very clearly today. This faith that we've been given, this faith that we've obtained, Romans chapter 12 verse 3 calls it the measure of faith because it has been measured. We all have the same measure of the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us, Galatians 2.20, that we live by. If that's not the faith we're living by, we're not living. We might be performing some things, but it's all self-performance. If we're not believing the Word of God from the heart in its righteous context, faith can't come. Faith can't come. You can hear a Bible story and get pumped up about it, but faith can't come unless it comes through the righteousness of Jesus Christ and his work at Calvary. This is why one of the silliest statements a man, a preacher, could ever make is that we, that any, anything in the Bible, any message, any teaching, any session, anything, anywhere, including the Word of God, doesn't have to have redemption tied to it, doesn't have redemption involved in it because it does. If it doesn't, faith cannot come. And many men uh, disagree with this, but it's only because their faith is in some experience in the past that when they get honest according to the Scriptures, they will have to admit that wasn't God. At least it wasn't God in the way I have thought it was God. God may have been stirring and knocking on the door of the heart, but my friend, there is no word in the Bible that can be outside the perimeters of God's righteousness that can bring faith. It can't happen. And we'll see that clearly for all those who are Bible believers, Bereans, those who would rather have a more sure word of prophecy, those who would rather hold dear to the truth of the gospel than just cling to some experience and, and live by faith in some experience. And listen, I've had to many times point back and say that wasn't God at least in the way I thought it was God. Listen, God's knocking on the door of the church's heart this morning and it is the Lord Jesus Christ and he is literally knocking on the door of the hearts of the church today that are out all of those in the church that are out of fellowship with him and who are they? They're those who do not have their faith anchored exclusively in the cross of Christ. He's having to knock why? Because he's not in fellowship with them. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood. See, that's in that same verse. And the blood, and we are cleansed. The blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You see, there are a lot of things we're calling good that may have an appearance of good, but they, they are not the righteousness of faith. 
They are not the righteous fruits of faith. And for a minister to get up and say, well, you don't have to know all this. Yes, we need to know all this. Because if we don't, we'll fall prey to the foolishness and the double-mindedness and the leaven and the silliness that's out there. And God calls everything that's not the righteousness of faith foolishness, leaven, silliness. Double-mindedness. Yes, we believe in the cross, but that's double-mindedness. And that's, that's the place the Bible says in the book of James that you can't expect to receive anything from the Lord in that place of being double-minded. Yes, the cross, but also that's double-mindedness. We preach Christ crucified, but we let them come and preach even though they don't know it. That's causing double-mindedness. And, and let me get back to what I was saying at the first part of this broadcast. God has raised up ministries and ministers all across the land who he, by his spirit, has called to walk in a place of being determined to know nothing else and to rebuke everything else that is pointing away from the cross. And what is that? Anything that's not pointing to the cross. So he has raised those ministries up and that there will be a strong rebuke upon those ministries from those who are trying to build their own ministries. But when the Lord builds the church, it's through the revelation of Christ crucified. It's only through the revelation of Christ crucified only. And again, that's why you need to be at these determined camp meetings when the focus is the lamb slain, when the focus is Jesus and his finished work. Not some of the time, but all of the time. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And everybody's invited and everybody can come. My Lord, let the world come. The Lord will build a place to hold them all. I guarantee it. But they won't step into the pulpit until they begin to walk in this place of sanctification. Walking, learning to possess their vessels in sanctification and honor. So let's get into this this morning. Simon Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now I'm not going to get into the depths of uh, talking about Peter for two or three weeks. You can go study that on your own. Not going to get into the depths of what it means, what a servant is. A servant of the Lord is someone who's chosen to serve the Lord. And Peter had done that through many toils, many hardships, many snares, many wrongdoings. And we've done and still do wrong things as we're learning along the way. But yet he still followed Christ as the Lamb of God, slain. Hallelujah. So he's also an apostle. He claimed to be an apostle. That's one of those in the beginning to be an apostle who had to walk with Christ in his earthly life. And the Lord gave the, 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 the anointing. He gave the power and the authority to write Scripture to write scripture. 
No, no apostles today, no prophet, no, no apostles today. I believe there still are apostles that do the work of an apostle to some degree, but no one can add to Scripture ever again. <coughs> and those that think they can, they're saying that what was needed for redemption wasn't complete. And those that say, no, we believe what was needed for redemption was complete, we just don't think it was complete for everything the church needs to walk out its redemption. Well, my friend, that's a bunch of hogwash and it's a lie and it'll get you in big trouble because anything that's not written in your Bible cannot bring faith to your heart. Nothing. That's nothing. Anything that's not written in the Word of God cannot bring faith to your heart. It can bring much trouble to your heart. Amen. So watch this now. This is going to get very interesting today. And again, I've said it. This is critical. This is critical that you know this. Not knowing this has caused the church to walk in much confusion, much acceptance of everything that calls itself Christian. And, and, and it's not knowing what you're about to hear today it has caused us to fall in a place of seduction and having to call things God that are not God, call things faith that is not faith, call things the fruit of the Holy Spirit that is not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is where the church is today in its biggest part. Even those that are calling out false doctrine, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witness, the Buddhists, the, the Muslims, all the Catholicism, everything that's obviously not of God, but then they don't see the, the, the issues, the, the things that are false within those that are claiming faith in Christ. They, 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 and, and, and many, listen to me very carefully, many see what you're about to be shown today. And I pray the Lord show it to you. If you have a heart that fears the Lord, He's going to show it to you. But there are many who can see this and read this, and because they're not hearing properly, they take it and twist it and do what their flesh wants to. There are many who sit under the preaching of the cross over the last few years who came to the conclusion through the lust of their flesh that the cross wasn't quite enough. The cross, I need more than that. And let me tell you something. Every Christian who's led by their flesh to that point, they're being led into a great place of destruction. If you ever say the cross is not enough, you're being led by the lust of your flesh and my friend, you are headed to a place of destruction. There's a big move right now about devils, Christians having devils. And these, these, people, these Christians that think they're very spiritual, the devils they're tampering with, they're about to whip them naked and embarrass them and bring great devastation and destruction to their lives and possibly even deceive them to a place 
where pride controls them the rest of their life and they never even will come back to the place where they tell the Lord the cross is perfect. It's where all the power comes from. It's all that my faith needs to be in and from there you will choose what needs to happen in my life. Possibly they will never come back to that place being gripped and overtaken by pride because pride is the ultimate reason why we say the cross is not enough. Or we begin to see things that are really not in the Bible, so we start using different terminology that's not in the Bible because the flesh, the flesh is very good under the leading of the enemy to twist scriptures to make it look like what we want it to look like, to make it look like it's right to us, seems right to us, but God says, there's a way that seems right to man, but the end of that way is death. And you need to know that. So watch this powerful scripture in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 this morning. Because we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Again, that's Romans 10 and 17. But Peter here writes this profound truth. And he says, he's writing to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. This means, first of all, that we didn't have faith. Faith had to be obtained. See, for most of the church thinks that only grace is the gift. Oh no, my friend. Faith. The faith, the Bible that we believe, Galatians 2.20 tells us, the faith that we live by in this flesh body, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and what did He do by that faith? He loved us and gave Himself for us. You see, Jesus tasted death by the grace of God through faith for all men. Hebrews 2 and 9. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 tells us that Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men. But Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 tells us that he did it by faith. Of course we know he did. He never did anything that was not by faith. In the word of the Lord he was being given by the spirit of the Lord he was receiving from his father. Jesus said, I never do anything. I don't see my Father doing. I never speak a word, never speak a word that I don't hear my Father saying. Jesus lived moment by moment, being led by the Spirit, by grace, through faith, every single moment of his life. And you and I, when we believed with the heart unto righteousness. That means the righteous one, Christ Jesus, and what he did on the tree of Calvary as the Lamb of God, we, we received not only grace that saved us, but we received the measure of faith. The measure of faith. You don't have more faith in me. I don't have more faith in you. We've just flat out been taught wrong by many, many of those who claim they knew something about faith. We can be weak 
in the faith, or we can be stronger or strong in the faith, but all that's based on the exercising of that measure of faith. Jesus said, if you had faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, and you've heard it all your life, if you hadn't, hear it today. A mustard seed is so small, you have to move it around to even see it. Jesus said if we had faith that much, that little, we could move mountains. So it's not the amount of faith that we have. It is the exercising, the degree that we exercise that faith. That's what the problem was in Hebrews chapter 5 with the babes who were still babes in Christ who should have been maturing and far beyond where they were, who should have been teachers by then, the Holy Spirit tells us in Hebrews chapter 5. And he tells us they needed to be moving from the milk to the meat. It wasn't a different message, my friend. It was, it was the, message, the message of righteousness beginning to be applied when we exercise our faith, it, it, when our senses, when our member, the members of our bodies begin to be presented to the Lord in an offering of a sacrifice of righteousness. You know, we, we present our inst the instruments of our bodies. The word instruments means weapons of righteousness. It's our only weapon, righteousness. You say, no, our weapon is the sword of truth, which is the word of God. That's true, but the word of God cannot be used as a weapon unless it's in its righteous context. All of God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. And his righteousness is revealed only one place, in the gospel. In the gospel. That's why when you heard the gospel and you yielded to that, you gave yourself to that from your heart. You surrendered and believed unto righteousness. You were saved by grace through faith. You obtained, it says it right here, look, you obtained like precious faith with us. What else does it say? Watch this. It gives us the avenue through which it comes. Through the righteousness of God. Yes, Jesus is the righteous Son of God, the righteous Lamb of God. And the work He did on the cross is the work of righteousness. Isaiah 32 and 17 says, The work of righteousness shall be peace. He made our peace by the blood of His cross, Colossians 1 and 20. And then there Isaiah quoted in that same 17th verse of the 32nd chapter, he says, And the effect of righteousness shall be peace and quietness or peace and assurance. Read that. The work of righteousness took place on Calvary's cross by the righteous one, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why when our hearts believed unto the words we were hearing in their righteous context, we were saved by grace through faith. We obtained we obtained this like precious faith through that righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Get this now. We were saved by grace, the grace that Jesus tasted death by, and we obtained the measure of 
his faith through the righteousness that he worked on Calvary's cross as the Savior. This is why you and I must be learning the truth of God's Word in its righteous context. You see, the whole Bible bears this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11 gives another profound and overwhelming truth that if you miss or don't know, you're just going to be in nothing but a struggle and confused and living a life of contradiction. If you don't know this, you're, you're going to be confused and double-minded and led astray by other men that don't know. And, and, and you're going to live a life of confusion and much contradiction. And you will not find the power to escape the things that have you bound. You will not. You must know this, that every moment of your life, every decision that, that must be made, every direction that is taken, everything going on in your life, let me say it again, every moment of your life, the Holy Spirit is delivering you as a child of God, you who are alive in Christ, Unto the death of Jesus. That's what he's delivering you unto. 2 Corinthians 4.11. No, that's not just for the apostle Paul. That's for you. <clears throat> the Bible says us, we who, we who are alive are always, that word always means always, being delivered unto the death of Jesus so that we might be able to express the life of Jesus. And then the Bible goes on there to say two verses down that this is, let's look at it, 2 Corinthians, look at it in your Bible this morning, 2 Corinthians verse 13, and it's right after, right after we've been told that which the Holy Spirit always, always delivers us unto, which is the death of Jesus. Watch verse 13 now. Let me see if I can find this. We having the same spirit of faith. This is the same faith Peter, Peter was writing about. Watch this now. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. See, faith can't come outside of what's written. Faith comes by hearing what's written even if it's what's written in the New Testament. But this was being written concerning what was old. Listen, we having the same spirit of faith, this like precious faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken, Romans 10 and 10, we also believe and therefore speak. We also believe what? Not just anything, not just something we call God, not even really just in the word Jesus. Oh, no. Let's back up and read verse 11 again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. See, this is all in context. 
I hope you're hearing this today. I hope you're giving your heart to the truth of the gospel today. Verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, For we which live, there ain't nobody living but those who are alive in Christ, we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Get that now. Why is it Jesus' sake? So that what Jesus died for, we could have an experience now. Get that? That's for Jesus' sake. So our lives won't be as though he died in vain. Come on, that ought to grip your heart and convict all of us right there this morning, right now. That ought to convict every one of us right now. To prevent our lives being lived out as if what Jesus did at Calvary was in vain, the Holy Spirit always delivers us unto that death. Get this now. For Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus, as my friend Pastor Scotty Williams began to say two or three years ago in Dublin, Georgia, life only comes out of death. Life only comes out of death. The life of Jesus that you'll experience today will only flow out of your faith in his death today because that's what the Holy Spirit is delivering you to. That's what he's delivering you to. That's why Romans chapter 6 verse 11 says that you're going to have to continue to reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto the sin nature. Let me say this for those of you who, who, who think that, that, that we should be more focused on the resurrected life of Jesus. That's something we already have, but it's not your focus because that's, what, that's not what the Holy Spirit is delivering you unto. That's not what justified you. That's not what ju you're justified by the blood, the Bible says. And here you're seeing that if you're, going to be, if you're going to be speaking what biblical faith is all about, you're going to have to be seeing, beholding that, first of all, you're going to have to be seeing and beholding and accepting the truth of what the Holy Spirit is delivering you to, even to be able to experience the resurrection life that you already have resurrection life and power is eternal life and power his name is Jesus oh hallelujah to the lamb so let's read this again and we're over here in 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verses 11 through uh, 13 because of what we're seeing in 2nd Peter chapter 1 verse 1 let's read it again for we which live Christians are always, somebody say always, highlight that word in your Bible, always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake so that his life, his death won't be in vain concerning our lives here and now, hallelujah, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest here in our mortal flesh. According as it, here comes the whole focus of faith, my friend. Here comes the whole focus of faith. Here comes the avenue through which faith comes. According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, believe what? That Jesus died for us and that we are being delivered unto that death to be able to have the manifest life of Christ 
in our lives now by faith. We also have believed and therefore speak. I like what my pastor friend and brother in Sydney, Ohio said on last Sunday morning's uh, service. He said, there, there's too many people running around and decreeing and declaring Pastor Preston Nasals, who I'm referring to, the preeminent word fellowship. If you're looking for somebody to listen to who's focused on Calvary, find that Facebook page, the preeminent word fellowship. He said, while all these preachers are running around decreeing this word and declaring that word, God is declaring his righteousness. God is still declaring his righteousness because if people aren't hearing his righteousness declared, there is no avenue for faith to come. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But if, listen, if the word of God is being held outside of its righteous context, then all that can be there is ungodliness and unrighteousness as fruit because it cannot bring faith. Let's go back. To 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, and let's read this again in the second part of verse 1. He, Peter's writing to them, to you and me, to us, that have obtained like precious faith with us, he says, through the righteousness of God. Through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit had to put that last part in there and our Savior, Jesus Christ, because if he didn't, then we could take the word righteous and run with it in every direction. But you can't do that. You can't do that. The faith that comes to us by hearing the word of God comes to us through the righteousness that Jesus worked on Calvary's cross. That's why you can't just open the Bible and read something and say, I'll go do it and call that the work. Listen, uh -uh, that won't work. It never, it never has worked. It won't work. Because first, the first glance when you open the Bible, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into all truth if he can get your attention unto what he's really delivering you unto. See, you, could, you and I couldn't be born again until we saw Christ crucified. Then the words we were hearing of the gospel by grace through that righteousness. See, righteousness didn't come by the law for you. It came by grace, the grace that Jesus tasted death by, Galatians 2.21. Think about these things now. Think about these things now. This is why there can be no message. I don't care if we're teaching on the prophetic, if we're teaching on giving, if we're teaching on how to raise your children, if you're teaching on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're it doesn't matter if it's between if it's on the pages of our Bibles, it must be in the righteous context which is Christ crucified. Or it is not within the perimeters of God's righteousness. And no matter what you go home with that day, faith did not come. Our flesh might have been pumped up like it is through the years as we've listened to men and women who can tell the stories of the Bible. My Lord, they've told them so many. They can tell the stories of the Bible and they can reach a climax and have everybody in the congregation shouting the high praises of what we think are the high praises of God. But nowhere in the mix was the cross of Christ. The climax of every story. 
the meat of every story, even the milk for babes in every story has to be Christ crucified. Let me remind us again, the faith we've obtained came through righteousness and is every time there's true biblical faith in the Bible, it is bringing forth the fruit of righteousness, the righteousness of faith. Every ounce of true biblical faith produces the fruit of righteousness. If it doesn't, it's not faith, not biblically. Because all the righteousness that we have and the works that are the fruit, the righteous fruits of our labors, they are the, it's the righteousness of faith and we saw where true faith comes from this faith we have obtained comes through the righteousness of God and our Savior the Lord Jesus Christ this is so important this is why you cannot be listening to men who are not mixing the gospel in their message because all God's words are in righteousness. And His righteousness is only revealed in the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17. And faith, if it comes, not just the first time that saved you, but if faith ever comes again, it must come through righteousness and your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Get this. Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. That means even receive faith for a footstep in the kingdom. It, and what does it mean, you can do nothing without me? You can do nothing without what he's provided for you through his death on Calvary's tree. We've seen a little bit of that in 2 Corinthians 4, 11 through 13 today. You see, this is the greatest move of God that's been in the church since the church began. As the Lord is pouring... Listen, if Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and He would pour out of His Spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters would prophesy. And listen, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Is that not happening? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. The spirit of truth is being poured out. And our sons and our daughters are even prophesying, bringing forth the testimony of Jesus and His righteousness. Hallelujah. More than ever before right now. But it's not in most of the five churches on every corner in America. It's not there. And many places where what is being said that's right to some degree there's an invitation for men to come in and to tell us that redemption doesn't have to be involved in all of it. And if the redemption focus doesn't come in and get involved in our messages, then there's no avenue for faith to come. And this great truth for the honest heart, the heart that fears the Lord, will have to admit I've been wrong. I've called some things. God, at least we're not God in the way I thought they were. And I have been a part of 
allowing leaven in. And I have been a part of allowing things to go on around me. And I speak from experience. That was causing double-mindedness. Let me say this. And I believe the Lord showed me this a couple days ago. Those who are gifted the most by the Lord have the greater chance of being tempted and falling away. You see, temptations never stop, and the devil and our old lust in flesh, let me say this now, Satan, Satan has new devices for every place of maturity that we find ourselves. As the Lord is faithful to guide us into more truth of the all truth, the promise to us is very well, have been given. The devil has different schemes every step we take. The more we exercise our senses in the word of righteousness, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, the greater the schemes of the enemy will be. And the greater temptation that will be to allow certain things for the sake of certain things that will not be for the sake of Jesus. If we're doing anything for the sake of Jesus, it's because we're seeing what the Holy Spirit is delivering us unto always and we're surrendered to that and we are not allowing anything to come in for the sake of anything else. Many times we say we're allowing this for the sake of unity. Well, it's not going to be unity. We're allowing this for the sake of others trying to learn this. Well, you can't learn anything that you don't know by telling me stuff you do know. I want you to understand this today. Faith at no moment has any avenue other than through righteousness and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But Jesus said that the Scriptures testify of Him, that He is the life found in the Scriptures. And outside of Him, there will be no life imparted. Remember, again, 2 Corinthians 4.11, the reason we are who are alive are being delivered unto the death, unto death, always, is for Jesus' sake. So that His death won't be in vain in our lives, our families, our ministries, our raising our children in that way they should go. And it's going to cause great loss along the way. The question is for me and everyone else along the way is, am I going to be found determined not to, not to know anything else? Am I going to stand and be able to point out that which is wrong? You know the scriptures. It's in Isaiah chapter 1. Let me just see. you got a few minutes left. Let me see if I can find it. And this is... Uh, the, 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 the Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. And this is speaking of the time 
of when Jesus comes back to the earth and reigns and we're reigning with him for a thousand years, listen to this concerning rebuke. This is what the church don't like today and most preachers refuse to do it if their salaries are on the line or if their position or their legacy or their family don't like it. Well, there's a thousand reasons why we don't like rebuke. But we better get used to it, my friend. I don't believe we can grow without it. Watch now. Again, this is prophetically spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah concerning the thousand-year reign of Christ and us reigning with him. Watch this now in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. Let me tell you something, folks. That thousand-year reign of Christ, there's going to be a great hatred toward him, a great hatred toward him by almost all the world. How do I know that? Because the Bible says when Satan is released from that uh, a bottomless abyss after a thousand years for a short season, that he's going to draw once again as many people as there are sands in the sea to him to go after the destruction of Jesus one more time, and it'll be the last time. But listen, there's, listen. There's going to be a great hatred for Jesus in the thousand-year reign by most of the world. Why? Because his reign is in righteousness. I hope you're learning to love righteousness and become a minister of his righteousness and not that which is of men, but that which is of the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch now. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many. And that word many means everybody. He shall rebuke many people and the result of his rebuke, watch what it is. They shall beat their swords and plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Everything the way that world has been running has been brought to a halt and now completely in a moment is going to be commanded to serve Christ and his righteousness. Even the weapons of war are going to be melted down, the Bible says, for pruning hooks. Get this. The rebuke of many. I had to receive a rebuke to be able to accept the message and the focus of Christ crucified as a child of God, as a minister of God's righteousness. And I'm still learning. I am still learning. No one reaches a, a graduating diploma place in this life. We're marching on with a blood-stained banner, preaching the truths of Christ crucified. And the Lord will guide us into more truth, all truth eventually that he will show those who fear him. How do I know it's only those? Because he said... The secret of the Lord is with those that fear him and he will show them, he will make known to them his covenant. His covenant is only found in the blood and every word of God must be dipped in the blood to be imparted. 
One last thing before we move on. I believe it's in Exodus chapter 24. We've brought it out a few times. When the whole law was read by Moses to Israel, they said, we will do it. We will do it. But Moses told them, he took the blood and he sprinkled it on the people, sprinkled it on the law, and he sprinkled it on the altar and said, Behold the blood, not the word, not the law. Look at the, look at the, look at, behold the blood that I've given unto you concerning all these words. For there is no doing of one word outside of faith in the blood. Not had faith in the blood right now. Now, faith is. And, I, and the Holy Spirit is always delivering us unto that place of death so that our faith can be Bible faith. And we can express the life of the one whose faith we live by to be able to express Him. I hope you've been encouraged. We'll be here again uh, Monday morning, so tune in at 9 a.m. Central Time. I pray that today you would surrender your whole heart to the way of Calvary's cross and even some of you listening today who've never heard what you've heard and now will have to choose to believe what you believe and to begin to share what you believe with others who do not know this. And the Lord will open new doors for you. If you're willing to count everything dung, everything lost that's been robbing you because you didn't know these things. And now you do. So now we're more responsible. And I pray the Lord's touch be upon your body, all of your body, your soul and your spirit. That the end of this day, there won't be anything lacking that you need. I pray for the miracle that you need. Dear one that's hurting, that's under the attack of the enemy, keep believing the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep calling on Him. I'm calling on Him with you that He would touch you, heal you, and make you whole on this very day. That the miracle you're crying out for, you would find Jesus bringing that to pass today for you. He's faithful. Amen. If the Lord stirs your heart to give an offering to Him through this ministry, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. I do love you and I praise God for all of you who are selling out, throwing all your eggs in this one basket of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. For then, the Holy Spirit will have the liberty to teach you and to bring you on into more truth by more grace through faith. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I'll see you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.